All right, John, welcome back to another working session, man. Uh, looking forward to digging into the business updates as usual. And I think we've got a very interesting icebreaker for this week that just kind of landed in my lap. So, uh, but before we get into that, how are things on your end? How are things out there in Colorado? Things starting to warm up, hopefully. Man, things are beautiful in Colorado. It rained for the last three days and it is just one of those crystal clear blue Colorado days. I took a walk this morning as I usually do and reached about, I don't know, eight, 10 blocks west of here. And there's like a school and a ton of like, I mean, I live in a very like green neighborhood, but there's like a school with all these like big bushes and such. And dude, it just, the smell was intoxicating. Like I was just like, this is the best smelling thing I've ever smelled in my life. Like it was, it was unbelievable. It's like all the, all the plants just blooming and you know, our black cherry trees are buzzing with, uh, with bees and, and all that. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, man, things are, things are really good out here. They're super busy with work right now, which is a great thing. And we'll get into that, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm overall doing well, and it's good to good to see you. Good to be back on the mic. Yeah, yeah, same to you. Yeah, things are good on my end too. I was actually met with my financial advisor, just personal finance stuff. We do like an annual review, and um, I was kind of like, "Hey, uh, just so you know, this whole castaway thing seems like it's going to be more significant this year. So we're going to have to figure out how that affects like the the personal tax return and some of the strategy behind that, and like you know all those things passing through." So it's not, it's a nice problem to have that we have to take that a little more seriously this year. So just a reflection of hanging out with you every week and, um, you know, being held accountable to, to goals and things like that. Yep. Um, yep. And the best tax strategy is always making another dollar. So <laughs> yeah, right, right. That makes sense. Yep. Cool. All right. So let's get into this icebreaker. I will put the link in the show notes for anyone listening, but basically I got this video from Sam Shepler, who's the founder of testimonial dot or is it testimonial hero actually testimonial hero.com i think yep testimonial hero.com i had a typo in the sheet there but basically he took over the course and the community called productize that brian castle built he bought it from brian and he's the new community manager and so in there he dropped this video um so hopefully sam forgives me for sharing it with the world because i'm not sure if that's supposed to be a member benefit but he's a pretty generous guy so i think he'll be okay with it but basically it, I sum it up as like the case against using subscriptions, which is weird for a guy that runs a course in a community around productized services, which heavily rely on subscriptions. And, you know, this is something that you and I have been talking about on and off lately in subscriptions versus bundles or a la carte or, you know, usage rates and things like that. So I just thought it'd be interesting to get into this. And uh, maybe I'll start by just calling out a couple of interesting points that uh, jumped out at me when I watched the video. One is this, this alignment between productized services and and software. And really, subscriptions work for software if and only if your churn rate is pretty low. So he he cites this number of 5%. Ideally, it's around 3 So if you're retaining folks for a long time, then subscriptions work. But that kind of churn rate is almost impossible, according to Sam, in a marketing service arrangement. So that jumped out at me. And then the other thing that uh, jumped out at me was instead of uh, focusing on on subscriptions and recurring revenue, focus on lifetime value. And this point here was basically like, subscriptions come with a certain amount of emotional and cognitive baggage where it's like, you know, everybody's got that subscription where like, I really should cancel that, but I know it's going to be a pain in the ass to call in and make it happen or whatever. And it's just like, do I really want to be locked into this gym membership for $100 a month? What if I don't go? You know, what if I don't get the results? Whatever. That that sticks with you. Whereas what he was saying is if you sell someone a bundle instead, like a 12-episode bundle in Castaway's sense, then they might cancel or they might stop after that bundle, but they're more likely to come back because they don't have that baggage associated with, oh, I got to start another subscription and then I got to go with the guilt of canceling that again and stuff like that. So I don't know, those two points jumped out at me. Was there any reaction to that or any different points that you wanted to call out from the recording? 
Yeah, and I really enjoyed listening to it. And I don't know Sam personally. I, you know, I follow his stuff online. He's definitely built a cool thing there at Testimonial Hero. And, you know, it's funny because when I first pulled it up and he was talking at the very start about churn, about like SaaS and why subscriptions make sense for SaaS and churn and all of that. And and I fundamentally disagree with how he freight with how he kind of uh um positioned all of that um there at the start, just because I work with so many SaaS founders within, you know, within Growth Accelerator. But I didn't stop listening and I kept listening. And I actually really liked a lot of the stuff that he had to say. And it it worked well with a discussion I was having with my wife this morning. Yeah, I, I think I, I really liked his focus on lifetime value. I liked his focus on getting cash in the door, right? But I think overall, kind of at a meta level. I think what I took away, and he talks more about it at the end about like kind of the, you know, the trade-offs of stuff. There's like there's subscriptions and that has downsides. There is uh there's bundles or episodes, or in their case, like uh, you know, testimonials, whatever. Uh, it has pluses and downsides. So does so do subscriptions. You know, it, it there's pluses and minuses to everything, I think is kind of what I what I arrived at. And the thing is, to me, and from my perspective, it's not, it's not this one is better than this one. It really comes down to what is right for the kind of service or software or whatever that you are offering, right? And whether it's use it's output based, it's usage based, like whatever. Like you know, for me, for example, with you know Credo and and uh, we use Active Campaign, or like I I'm using uh, Bento. I just signed up to Bento. Shout out to Jesse for Editor Ninja. Those make sense for me to pay monthly, you know, by like, you know, number of people that I have and we're sending out emails, they're not charging me per email and like that kind of thing. It's like nickel, that would get nickel and dimey, right? And software is cheap to operate, right? Like each incremental customer basically doesn't cost you much at all. Maybe a little bit in support and that kind of thing. But for like productized services like uh, like Testimonial Hero, honestly, Castaway, Joel, Kleckies, Case Study Buddy, right? Like those things are not cheap to do. And so like having someone on a subscription when they might do, you know, two episodes a month, they might do six episodes a month, right? Maybe you should sell them eight episodes or do bundles of four episodes or something like that. So you get to front load that revenue. But the downside is you still have to deliver those services in the future. So it's on your books as collected revenue, but not yet delivered. And so like that can become a challenge like at the end. This isn't something Sam talked about at all. Like if he wanted to sell Testimonial Hero and he's collected $250,000 in like cash, but hasn't delivered it yet, that's a liability on his books. And so a potential acquirer is going to is going to look down on that. So that is a downside as opposed to like SaaS where monthly, you know, you're kind of delivering it. So, but, but, but it did really make me think, cause I've been thinking about this a lot with editor ninja and I haven't like arrived at anything yet, but I did roll out word bundles last week and uh, had someone buy one today, actually not the person I was expecting to, but had someone um, actually on a subscription buy one, which was interesting to me. And I think he, he was under the understanding, which is not how I intended it, that basically like he has a subscription and then, but then he dropped, you know, 75,000, 75,000 words on us in one shot overnight. And I think he was thinking like, oh, I need to prepay for the volume I'm about to drop on you so that then you can make sure you have the capacity. And I'm like, well, that's maybe a fortuitous thing because maybe that is how it should be, right? So there's like a base subscription or you pay a bunch up front for a certain amount of words or something like that. And then you re-top up. And so it's basically like having a subscription. I just get to front load all of that or it's like offer a bigger thing up front and, and this doesn't make sense for Testimonial Hero, maybe not even for Castaway, definitely not for Case Study Buddy, but for Editor Ninja, it might 
because it is ongoing needs, right? People are, are they're uploading content all the time. And so it's more like a design pickle or something like that. Cause we just have a higher volume coming through than like you might with like producing, you know, a, a full episode, which costs you, you know, 1500 bucks for me getting a, a 2000 word, you know, article edited cost me with editors, 20 bucks, $23, something like that. So more than that, like 30, but still it's like, it all depends on the volume and like the problem people are seeking to solve. So I liked a lot of what he had to say. There was just a bit of like nuance there and the like the pluses and minuses that I, I I don't think came across, but his advice for like high ticket stuff like Castaway. So I think, you know, you should seriously consider it for Castaway. Yeah. But, but also his thing about like, and you said it's easier to sell someone a $4,000 package than one $1,000 a month subscription. I heavily agree with that. And so like, yeah, can you sell them, you know, up front and then push hard, you know, for four episodes and then push hard to get them to renew after those four episodes, right? Like, I think that could work very well for you and could work well for me too. So I think Sam talked about that too. He's like, I don't hate subscriptions as kind of the upsell. So sell the 12 episode bundle or whatever as a limited engagement. And then after, at the end of that, after they've seen some of that value and they've been through the experience, assuming things are going well, try to upsell them to a subscription because they've been through yeah. 12 iterations of it. And the, because for whatever reason, you say, even if you say $1,000 a month, people immediately start calculating the annual cost. So like, so I'm going to pay 12 grand for podcast promotion. Like, am I going to get an ROI on that? Even if you say cancel anytime, right? Even if you say cancel anytime, they still jump straight to that annual number and it gets to be a big number. Whereas if you're like, hey, just get four episodes for four grand or whatever, then people are much more inclined to to jump onto that. So, but I think your point is solid in that, like, I started to think about, well, how much of this is just Sam's business? Because one of the questions that I posed back to him in the productized community, because I bought the course and, and I had access to it, was basically like, was like, so if you build your your service on the back of a recurring activity, blogging, podcasting, publishing YouTube videos, if the client's doing that every week or every month on a set schedule, which a lot of folks are, and your service is built on top of that, then does a subscription make more sense? Does that change your opinion? Because candidly, like we almost became testimonial clients at um, The Good. And the reason we didn't, uh, he didn't force into a subscription. But if he would have, I would have said, I don't know that I can get a client to get on the phone with you every single month without interruption so that you can produce a case study every single month, right? Like there's a scheduling issue there and there's not a whole lot of incentive for the client. They're kind of doing us a favor. So if you tried to put me on subscription, I would have been hesitant because I'm not sure that I can do my part to get the value out of that. So that's why I think bundles work for him. It's like, can I get four clients on the phone with you sometime this year? Yes. But at the same time, like you said, you're carrying that revenue and not recognizing it until that service is delivered. Well, this is also because I, I talked about this uh, a bit with with my coach Chris a while uh, a few weeks ago, and his advice because I was talking with him about word bundles, and I was like, should I do this? He's like, yes, but have it. You know, you have to use them in the next twelve months, right? So that like the person has to use it in the next twelve months because otherwise, is that just ongoing liability? And company he was at in in the past bought another company that had a ton of those liabilities on the books, and they just had to write it all down, like millions of dollars had to write it down. So you know, it's just just something to be aware of, but. To your point, and it's something you just said triggered this thought for me, it's this is also, I think, the argument for kind of having different ways for people to pay, right? And I think we're at Editor Ninja where we may end up is like something up front. It's almost the, the gym launch model where it's like something up front, you know, uh, 2500 bucks, five grand, something like that. And that gets you style guide put together, like all of these things. And then it's like, then you basically buy like, you know, uh, bundles of words, right? Increments of 50,000 or 100,000 or whatever that you're going to have for that month, right? Also, so you guarantee that capacity and we're able to capacity plan around that, right? But then other people, like an in-house team, 
might not be able to do that because they're like, well, I don't have that like budget to just use like that, like an agency does with their capacity going up and down. I just need to like, I know I'm going to have 60,000 words a month. Great. Cool. It's going to cost you whatever, $1,500 a month. Right. And they're like, cool. Sounds good. And they, they just, they have it done. You know, can we pay in advance? Sure. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Right. And then they just like have all of that, you know, for the next 12 months or whatever. So I think there are also like within, I mean, this, this is something we could maybe debate in the future on the show is, when do you offer different levels like this, right? Like you have, a, like I have one-off docs, I have bundles and I have subscriptions now, right? And they're all meant for different people. So, you know, it, so it really goes back to like, who is your prospect? Who is your, like your, your ideal customer? And then also how do you focus, right? You know, on, on them. So like, do you say, you know what, for the next six months, we're just doing subscriptions, right? But then like you keep here, but then you hear three, five times, well, I, I kind of just want to buy a bunch of words, Okay, like let's do that. You know, like it's just as the market drags you there and, and adjusting to what the market wants, not what you want to have, right? And like what you've been told you should have and just being stubborn, you know? Yeah, I think it's another data point in support of we talked about last week. You're doing sales demos. I'm not really, I'm doing this kind of asynchronous sales process. Like if my website doesn't answer your question, shoot me an email or send me a zip message or whatever kind of thing. And I'm starting to think like, yeah, if I had a sales demo, you could definitely present subscriptions and bundles next to each other. Or you could listen to that prospect and say, I hear you saying this is a new show. You're not sure if you're going to continue doing it forever. Why don't we just get that initial season one done? Let's get you an eight episode bundle. Here's the price for that. In that conversation, you can do that. With my approach that I currently have, I think about how would I even structure that on the website, picturing the navigation, because you're going to have repurpose podcast, repurpose webinar, repurpose conference talk, whatever, those are services. And then inside of each of those services, it's like, do you want a subscription or do you want a bundle? And then do you want a four episode bundle or four webinar bundle or a 12 webinar bundle or anything in between? So then you get all these different like combinations and variations of those things combined. And it's just like, yeah, that gets really messy really quick. Just even the basic checkout, you know, it's it's almost like, how do you solve for that? So, um, so yeah, I'm thinking you got to kind of have maybe a central offering around one or the other, but then kind of push folks into a sales demo or even if it's recorded, like here's our recorded sales pitch. You can watch it. And in that deck, you're kind of saying like, if this sounds a little scary to you, we do have a bundle option. Here's what that looks like. Ask about our current pricing here. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And and for you, like if you had, if you were selling those bundles, just like Sam said, if you were, if you're selling those bundles and you're getting, you know, a 5k, like, you know, shot of, of revenue in the door. Right. And yeah, you have to deliver it over the net, you know, I mean, let's say that would be five episodes, right? You have to deliver that over time, but also like you can pay a salesperson to take those calls then, you know? Right. Yeah. If you have the capacity to, to, to fulfill it, right? Like you're getting a bunch of people, you get, you know, five people to say yes. Like, oh my God, we just made 25 grand. And then it's like, and we have 25 episodes to produce. Do we have the capacity right. <laughs> with our team to do it? Right. That's where it, that's where the problem comes. But I don't think he's wrong, you know, for the right type of service. Yeah, that was the other question I posed to him is, how do you feel about somebody with a newer productized service starting with subscription to build up that war chest, as he called it, that financial war chest, and then moving toward a bundled model later on in life? And he did get back to me. He said, I'll record you a video tonight. So unfortunately, I don't have it in time for the podcast, but maybe next week we'll, we'll share Sam's update if he gets something over to me. Uh, you know, the one last thing I wanted to call out about this before we get into the business updates is this other point that really jumped out at me as like, predictability doesn't have to come from pricing. It can come from lead generation. And I thought that was kind of a mindset shift for me. Like one of those things that you probably knew, but hearing somebody else say it made it kind of click for me, which is like everybody wants subscriptions because they want to 
have this stable income month over month that they can hire against, that they can forecast against, whatever. But you don't necessarily have to have it from pricing. You can have it from knowing that a certain number of leads are going to come through the door every month because you figured out some kind of acquisition channel. And as marketing guys, self-proclaimed marketing guys, it made me think a little bit about like, do I need to solve for subscriptions or do I just need to solve for like one repeatable, sustainable acquisition channel that keeps those conversations flowing and then just sell those folks bundles or a la carte or whatever we're going to do? I don't know. It was. It, I, I'm not saying I'm going that direction, but it made me think about it at least and consider it. Yeah. No, I, I think it's an interesting like, I think it's an interesting consideration, you know, for you. You just have to know that you have that like consistent, yeah, that that uh, consistent ability to scale um, and to, and to deliver that work. But I don't know. It's I, I think it's seriously worth considering. I was like bang on what I was talking about this morning with my wife when I when I when I woke up and looked at my phone and was like, holy crap, we had four times, we had literally four x, we had eighty thousand, eighty two thousand words uploaded overnight. And that is 4x what we edited all of January was like, okay, like it's, it's time to make this thing go, you know, and like, how, how, also, how can I make it work for like capacity planning and revenue and, and all of those things. So it's powerful stuff, right? Um, and I, I think there's a lot to what Sam's saying. It's very similar to what uh, Alex Hormozzi talks about in $100 million offers and how gym launches worked, right? It was like an 8k up front and then like 800 every four weeks for the next year or something like that. And I mean, they built a what, $40 million a year business in three years, <laughs> something like that, all of that model, like is insane. So it's straight productized service and training. Like, and then they offered services and all their supplements and all that other stuff off of it. But like, it works, it works, it's been proven. Right, cool, man. Well, other than sales going well and having that whale client just kind of fall in your lap, what else is going on at Editor Ninja? Operationally, sales, whatever you want to share. Yeah, so we ended up, April numbers, we ended up $45 short of 60,000 ARR. So we did $4,955 in revenue. I was like, ah, barely missed it. But like, but that, that was cool, you know, growth from the previous month, which is, um, which is great. And, uh, you know, just the big thing on the op side is figuring out, like figuring out capacity. Like I was, uh, and that, that's really the main challenge right now is like, you know, I had a call with, with one of our agency customers yesterday and, they were like, yeah, we're going to have 100 to 140,000 words this month. And, and I, they, I've been seeing the volume increasing from them. And they're like, and we're going to have that like that or more next month. Um, I'll let you know mid-May what we're going to have. And so like for me now, so I, I literally messaged my lead editor, Sophia, and was like, we need more editors. <laughs> so like we're probably going to bring on two more. I just brought one on last week and we're going to bring two more on by the end of the month because like we're probably going to go from like we're by the end of June, we by the end of May, we probably need 400,000 words of capacity every month, which is crazy because we did 23,000 or 21,000 or something like that in January. So it's just for us right now, it's like, how do we plan out that capacity? So we're, so we're moving to a model of every customer has a lead editor and then that lead editor has a backup editor. So like for, you know, agency A, editor A is their lead editor. But if that, but that, that lead editor, that lead editor there basically has two or their or managing editor is probably what we'll call it. That lead editor, that managing editor is responsible for editing as much as they can. But once they're at capacity, they have a backup, right? So like, you know, editor B is editor A's backup on these two customers or whatever. So we're really trying to do that A for like 
quality because so the editors get to know each customer. The customer also knows who is working on their stuff, right? And so that becomes a, like a sales point too, where it's like, you know, you're on this level, you're at this level of content, you have a dedicated editor, right? And, and they they have a team that that may help them out, but like they are ultimately responsible for it, right? For QA and, and all that stuff and quality and all that. But then that, that, this is something I've been asked about many times, like, well, do I get a dedicated editor, right? Or is it just the same person? And so now I can say like, yes, you have a dedicated editor. Your editor is so-and-so. But yeah, that's the big, like it's, it's getting operationally heavy, which is not a bad thing, but it's time for me. I'm realizing it's time for me to find a good, like developer to work with consistently to build software to help us with the operational stuff. So I'm not quite sure what all that's going to look like, but we're getting to that point. Cause like, you know, I've hacked it manually, um, you know, for months, for a few months now. And now it's at the point where it's like, there's too much volume to keep hacking it manually like that. So it's time to like formalize some of that stuff within software, um, which is what I was talking, what I was texting you about this morning about time to build product. Um, and I couldn't like put it into words yet, but like, yeah. So anyways, that's, that's going on. So looking like to the future, onboarding more editors. I've got a few more like prospects that are just about to buy. Going to have another hundred thousand word bundle bought soon. Um, should be this week. A couple more agencies that are like on the bubble, you know, that'll be doing 30 ish, 40 ish thousand words a month through us as well. So it's time to really scale a scale capacity and build technology around it to be able to scale that capacity and scale out the number of customers that we have. So it's exciting. And at the same time, you know, I've had a lot of sales calls recently. I've had quite a number of people, you know, on phone calls and, you know, they take a little stuff takes a little longer to close than, you know, past businesses that I've had. But, you know, I know some of them are going to hit. And so, but, but also I just decided today with the, like, just the, the volume that we've seen in the last couple of weeks, I'm actually going to pull back on, uh, sales and pull back on marketing. Cause I know the volume is there. I'm just not going to be as aggressive on it. Right. Following up every three days with prospects and like that kind of thing. Let it go to a week, 10 days, check in with them, you know, and people that are like, ah, eh, check in with me in the future. Cool. I'll boomerang it back for two months from now. Right. So like just not being as aggressive with sales so that we can, you know, get the basics right so that then we can scale as like, you know, I'm thinking now, cause we're probably going to do, I think we did like hundred thousand words last month. We're probably going to do 200 to 250 this month. And I'm thinking to like, what does it look like to do a million words in a month across 15, 20 customers? Because that's where I need to be thinking. Because if we can get to that point and it works for 15 to 20 customers, then it works for 150 to 200 customers, right? And at like millions, you know, tens of millions per month eventually. Because um, I genuinely believe we can get there. So that's where I'm really starting to think. So resetting the base, setting the base stronger than it currently is, and then pouring the gas on. Because I know, because we've got the revenue and I know we've got the, we can generate the leads and demos. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, we're experiencing some of that at the good, where it's like you need those trigger points, those those gates, where it's like if we want, to, if we have fifteen clients today and we want to go to thirty a year from now, at what point do you need another CRO strategist? At what point do you need another developer to build the test? So, and we kind of want to get that down to either a revenue number or a number of client accounts number, something like that, where it's just like, hey, we said this trigger is uh, twenty three clients and we're at twenty one, so we might want to start the hiring process and get some candidates in the door and have conversations and stuff like that. It sounds like you're describing a similar thing where it's like, okay, if we want to do a million words a month, how many client accounts is that? And how many editors does that require managing editors? Do we need a project manager in there at some point to just handle client communications? You know, whatever. Yes, we do. <laughs> we will. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, and and we actually said it today, me and, and um, Sophia, my, my right hand, 
we actually set today that like, all right, this is how much capacity we're going to need across like all the customers that we have. These are the editors that we have. So this is how many new editors we need. This is what we're forecasting for June. And so are we going to need more editors? And also, yeah, th- exactly that that uh, trigger point, like you said, that like, okay, we crossed this. So we actually said when we have forecasted 75% of the current capacity that we have, we need to start finding another editor. So if we're at 400,000 words, you know, of capacity, once we cross 300 in like basically like guaranteed, we need to be hiring another editor because if one or two more customers hit, we're not going to have the capacity. Yeah, we, we've set that right now. That number will probably change. But when I hear you say find another editor pretty consistently, but never like expand the role of this editor. Is there a reason that maybe mm. you're not taking someone full time or or whatever part time at their contract? Like, did you make that decision or is that just kind of some the way things are shaking out? It's the way things have shaken out for now. I actually went back and I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, I've not had to plan capacity at Credo before because it's always been like, we've never not had enough agencies, you know? And I realized a few months ago that like with Editor Ninja, it's all going to be about capacity because like not to be a problem to bring on clients but to bring on customers, but we but we're solving capacity issues for them. So we need to have a, a strong like editor like recruiting pipeline. So it's the same thing with Uber, right? The the way uh, theirs work. They had to have enough drivers to not have people, you know, people wait wait too long, that kind of thing. So what I did what uh this morning was I was like, okay, where do like how much capacity do we need? How much and then how many editors do we have? Uh how many hours are we getting from each? What can they edit per hour? Um and so like basically what do we have? And that, that was like, okay, we need more editors just looking at the numbers. But I did also go to them and I was like, okay, you know, Sophia, can you take on more, you know, editor, you know, editor two, can you take on more editor three? Can you take on more? And neither of those two could Sophia could up hers though. So we upped hers by about 8,000 words or 10,000 words a week. So that got me another 40,000 words, but ultimately she is going to be like, like owning accounts. She's also lead editor, managing editor on a couple on one account. She's gonna be owning others, you know, kind of cu- handling the signing up docs and QAing and that and capacity planning and that sort of stuff for her uh, for her customers. So basically, the reason why, long story short, the reason why I'm saying more editors is because my current editors can't give me more capacity. But editor C will probably have more capacity comes come July once he's finished with this like theater production that he's doing right now. So my inclination, and this is how I've worked with Credo as well, is like, okay, we have available leads. Let's see if anyone that we're currently working with that we know is good wants more. If no one wants more, then let's bring on an additional, uh, you know, a, a new customer. So that's what I'm trying to do with Editor Ninja as well. My goal and my guess, don't hold me to this, but my guess is by August, someone will be full-time on Editor Ninja. I don't know who that'll be, yeah. but someone will be full-time. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. It's like, at what point do you bring someone in full time? And I think, you know, it probably makes sense. I don't know, the, the video editor I'm going to talk about in a minute is effectively full time, but because of the currency conversion, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's a little different. I think really the full time role at Castaway would be more of that project manager, account manager, some kind of operational role. And then the rest of the technical stuff, the specialty skills, we could get away with contract support for quite a long time, I would think. And it might be significant contract support, right? It might be like, 20, 30 hours a week or something. But I just don't know that that has to be like a W-2 kind of role for the way that we're set up unless we get really big. And then it's like, yeah, sure, you can have an in-house video editor or whatever. What about Bento? What made you go with Bento? Is that just kind of like, Jesse's a good dude and he and I have traded a few messages and it's like, I just want to send my money and support him or is there a product differentiation that really stands out to you? Jesse's a good dude. Also, he toured me, he demoed me around it. 
few weeks ago and it just blew my mind. I was like, wait, you do that? <laughs> and it was just, it was just like some, some of it's just magic where I'm like, wait, how, how are you able to do that? Like someone fills out a form on my site and I don't have to like have an integration set up to push that information into it, into uh, Bento. It just, Bento just grabs the email and it automatically appears in my account. And I'm like, wait, are you, are you serious? And he has chat. He has like, he has, he has, uh, you know, pop-ups like all, he just has all the things that you need that like with credo i've just kind of like you know put it all together with like active campaign and opt-in monster and like all you know drift and like all these various things it's all in one place and it's wicked cheap so i'm like okay let's you know let's do that and it is like it's indie SaaS, right so there are some things that aren't like they're a little confusing about it i couldn't find certain things right but also like i'm in the discord and jesse jumps in and he's like Oh yeah, I've been meaning to work on that like section of the site. So I'm going to jump in and work on that. And over the next two hours, he's like putting check marks, like fix this, but fix this thing, fix that thing. It's like, whoa, okay. Like you're actively working on this thing. It's inspiring too. So, you know, it's still early days with it, but you know, I, I needed something also that that was it. Like I needed something for editor ninja for emails and sending out communications and workflows and all that stuff. And so it was like, yeah, let's give this a shot, you know? So, so far it's, it's just mind boggling. Like, I can't believe he's done it by like on his own, basically. It's just incredible, incredible technology. So I have to check it out. I'm I'm kind of at that point too. And I'm I'm like, do I get a CRM? And then, you know, you get all these these disparate tools and they're all 10 to 15 bucks a month a piece, and you add it all up and it gets to be pretty pricey. But um, it looks like Bento is much more competitive on price. So if it checks the box for multiple things and yeah, I've got a free CRM. Um, and then I'm using Bento for like marketing automation and like that sort of that sort of stuff. So um, what's going on at Castaway, man? I've just talked for quite a while about Editor Ninja. Yeah, uh, quite a bit, quite a bit. So like I said, we hired a video editor. Uh, they're already in there doing great work, um, helping me with some client deliverables, but also putting together some lead gen assets. I think I've talked about this concept of like the blitz before, where it's like, let's just produce a bunch of free material for a high profile show and then send that to them and say, hey, we made this for you. We're big fans of your show, whatever. Um, if you want more of this kind of stuff, that's exactly what we do. Let's have a conversation. So we'll see how that strategy uh, works as a lead generation potential. But that person's in, that person's integrated. It's gone really well so far. So uh, glad, glad that I made that call. I also found, I think last time we talked, uh, I was like, my next roadblock is editorial selection, basically. So listen to the episode, find the most interesting parts and identify them so people can clip it up into the various assets. I found a writer with a, a journalism degree and a journalistic background. And she said, 100 bucks an episode, I'll take care of that for you. I'll come up with the headlines or the titles for the actual clips. You know, you put like kind of the topical headline at the very top. Um, so she's going to do all that for me. We're going to test drive that on uh, a few episodes and see how that goes. There's also the opportunity to have, this just came up on my radar literally yesterday, but there's a summer intern who also is studying journalism that basically she's like, you don't even have to pay me. And I'm like, of course, I, pay. I just believe you should pay interns or anybody still work for you. But you know, it could be something super modest, like 15 bucks an hour or something. And she could come in there and do that kind of stuff for me too. So that's really good. The uh, the WordPress migration is almost done. So I had a, a developer help me out with that. And she's got all the core page templates built out, homepage, service page, uh, the blog homepage, and then the blog article template, contact us, you know, all those essentials. Those were all built out, branded. And so now the next layer for me would be to fill out the content and identify what graphics, because she's also... She's like a front-end developer and a graphic designer. So I can go in and say, hey, for this graphic, mock me up a chart that looks like this with the Castaway logo or whatever. And 
um, you know, something like that. So I have to kind of build that wish list for her to go out and produce. And then, um, yeah, just start building out these various service pages and and then push it uh, live. And I actually have a, a new domain that's not tricastaway.com. So I'm able to build it live and see exactly what it'll look like instead of in some kind of staging environment, which is kind of cool. Nice. And there'll be like a big announcement around that of... Um, just moving over to a new domain. It's not it's not castaway.com, so don't go look at that. Um, but it is it is <laughs> a little bit better than trycastaway.com. So I'll say that. Nice. And then the last thing on the op- operational side is beta testing this new service. I know I've talked to you about it, John, but I don't think I mentioned it on the show. It's basically around personal branding. And it's like show up for an interview and we'll produce a bunch of assets for you to keep your social media queue full on a weekly basis. I found a pretty talented writer to who basically said, Hey, I love what you're doing. He's already working with me on the um the the podcast side of the house. And he's like, I love this concept. And it's kind of like what I've been doing independently. So what if we stand up a landing page with a wait list and get some folks in the door and then I do 100% of the delivery, you mark it up 25% for my rates and you just take that home as kind of a sales commission. And I was like, eh, sounds like it's worth a test. Like on the first, my first reaction was like, is this a distraction? Is this a departure from the core offering? But it is something that I've been thinking about as you know a valuable service for over a year now. And it's like the only thing, the only reason I didn't pursue it is because like just one more thing for me to think about. But if literally all I have to do is have the sales conversation and pass it over to this writer and he does the interviews, he produces all the assets, he handles the client communications and I get to take home 25%, like starting to sound like a no brainer to at least try, right? And if it doesn't shake out exactly as we envision. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great test. And yeah, we've talked about it and I'm interested. Um, <laughs> is he going to handle all the client communication and like all of that, like under the Castaway brand too? So you're basically white labeling his services, and that's that's pretty big. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird how it came about. So basically, he the current Castaway service is like we'll take a podcast episode and we'll convert that into a blog post and a Twitter thread and some social media posts for you. And he's the writer doing all the written assets of that, right? And then we have a video editor doing the video assets. Well, what happened was. I was working with a show and um, he was researching the host to get a feel for his voice. Like, how's he already posting on social? What is he already writing about on his company blog? Like, what is his voice? What is his tone like? How does he talk? And uh, he was researching that person on LinkedIn. And of course, you know how you get the notification, like somebody visited your profile? Well, the host saw that the writer visited his profile, clicked through, saw that he offers writing services as a freelancer and DM'd him and said like, hey man, do you want to help me just like, get my thought leadership out there. It looks like this is kind of what you do. So he's like, very transparent. He's like, hey, I'm not trying to steal a client for you. I'm telling you exactly how this shook out. And um, it, they want to work with me together. And then I pitched him on this personal branding service idea. He said, well, that's what I love to do. And I said, well, what if we did this together and you handle all the delivery? So to answer your question in a roundabout way, yes, he's going to basically have a castaway email address. He's going to present as a castaway member of the team. He's going to handle all the client communications run the interviews, schedule the interviews, produce the written assets. Literally, all I have to do is go acquire the customer, have the sales conversation, pass them along, and introduce them to him. And everything else, in theory, should just happen. Yeah, I like it. I like it. That's, I mean, it's a little lower margin than like a productized service should ultimately operate at. But also, I mean, I would basically look at that 25% as like a sales commission. And so like an ongoing sales commission and that's a pretty healthy like ongoing sales commission. So it's not that's not bad. And then also you could potentially upsell those same people to other things, right? So like it's kind of a land and expand thing. It's like, yeah, this is an offering that we have. And then hey, you're doing now you're now you're doing a podcast, right? Like, like, I mean, take me for example. 
I could hire Castaway to, you know, via, you know, via Castaway, hire this guy to do my reels and like Instagram stuff that I've been doing. And then like, Hey, I'm starting a podcast with my friend. Could you that be like, Hey, you know, James, I'm starting my, starting a podcast with you. I don't know, <laughs> but, but you get my point, right? It's like, you know, you expand it. It's like, all right, now we're doing like your personal branding stuff and we're doing your podcast and, you know, you kind of end up getting multiple services like out of them. So, or it could go the other way where it's like, Hey, you're doing a podcast, but like, what are you doing for your personal stuff? You know? And there might be some like, well, shouldn't that just be included with the podcast? And maybe it is, it's, it becomes an add on, do it like solo, or it becomes an add on for your, like, uh, you know, your castaway, like podcast episodes stuff. But like, you can figure out how that works, but I like that idea because you're meeting different needs, right? It's different customers that are also you know, someone needing personal branding may also need podcast stuff. Someone doing a podcast may also need personal branding stuff. I like it. It's a natural like cross sell. And I think initially, at least, it's going to have to be kind of custom quotes because especially with personal branding, like you're doing Instagram reels. Not everybody's doing that. Some people want to post on LinkedIn. There is really no, like LinkedIn supports video, but that's not the core part of that platform, right? So it's a little bit of a different approach. So basically, I think where we'll get is like, kind of the model you use. Like you have to have a sales conversation with James. I understand your needs. I understand what platforms are important to you. We put together a package. That 25% margin is if you only do written stuff. If you're like, I just want to have an interview and out of that interview, I want to produce a blog post, an email for my newsletter, LinkedIn posts and tweets for the week, then that's all handled by this writer. But if you say, okay, I want to take that interview and I want to record it and I want to make that into video clips or if I want to, I want to chop that up into reels and I want to caption it, then we get the true castaway production side of the house involved, there's a higher price point for that because you've got an audio visual element to it as well. And that and that brings in the margins from the castaway side of the house, which are higher than 25%. So your blended margin might be closer to 27 or 30 or something like that. It starts to creep up there. So I do like it as like, it doesn't even have to be a cross sell, really. It's like, what do you what do you want strictly from a personal branding perspective? It's just the source material is different. It's not starting with the podcast. It's starting with a one-to-one interview to get your expertise out of your head and onto some kind of paper and then let specialists chop that up into a bunch of different marketing formats. And then that keeps your personal branding uh, social media queue full five days a week, every business day, right? That's kind of the value prop. So, yeah, I like it. I have some friends that, that have people that do that for them already. So like, it's also something that's in the market and some of them are pretty expensive, you know, like I'm talking multiple thousands a month and I'm like, wow, that seems, that seems like a lot, right? Like if I could do it for like, but then there are some that are like expensive, you know, one of your kind of competitors that we've talked about before, they're like, their prices have gone up and they're like, yeah, it's a thousand dollars a month for one, like one, you know, episode a week or something like that. Like, I mean, like, you know, th- three minute video chopped up into like four different assets and it's a thousand dollars a month. And I'm like, one a week, like that seems like nothing, you know, like the value isn't there for me. So I think if you can find, and I'm sure they've done that for a reason, like maybe it's just really hard to make that profitable, but yeah, I, I think there's a need. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be stoked to hear the updates on how that, how that goes. Yeah. The, the current providers are all over the place. Like I've gotten a quote from somebody who is basically a LinkedIn ghostwriter. And basically what he does is he has a three day a week or a five day a week package and he'll also get in there engaged. So if somebody comments on your stuff, he'll reply to them or he'll reach out and comment on a few organic posts like from your your feed or whatever, basically just ghost managing your LinkedIn profile to keep you active. And his quotes were $25 to $3,500 a month for three days or five days a week. And so that's like, 
that's a tasty little price point right there. If I can, you know, get that, if I could get to that point, that's not what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm thinking of pricing this, depending on deliverables, anywhere from as low as 500 for a very basic package up to 2,500, but that would be with the, the video clips involved. And that's like, you know, three to five video clips a week and stuff like that. So, um, but I've heard of LinkedIn ghostwriters. I've heard of Twitter ghostwriters making six figures a year to just for the very big profiles that already have 100,000 followers plus or million followers. Like you just want to write on behalf of that person and publish threads every day. Those folks make six figures. So there's definitely like one of those things where I don't think I need to validate the market. I just need to validate the solution that fits and find a niche within that market for folks that are still, you know, having a, a problem that's unaddressed. Yeah. Personal branding for entrepreneurs or something, you know, something like that. I think the the branding thing is throwing me off. I would think about that a little bit because it's like, for me, branding is like, you're going to come up with the style guide and, you know, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. Do something with my website. I don't, I don't even know, but like, you know, fix my profile, you know, whatever to make it to optimize my profile, that kind of thing. I think it's more like, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. The branding word throws me though, like personally, but I, but, but I think there's a need there and I think you could focus on, yeah, you know, six figure, seven figure entrepreneurs or something like that. Right. Like it's the Hormozy yeah. playbook. So yeah, do something interesting and start talking about those things and yeah, hundred percent on board with you there. Cause like pers- personal branding is not great either. And like, I thought thought leadership, but then like, that's kind of a cringy term. Like it's just misused so much that people are like, oh, are you, oh, I'm a thought leader, you know, like that's, I don't love that either. So I do have to find a, a better way to describe the service. It's like intuitive, but also not, you know, I don't know, not cringy in some way. So yeah. And not like social media posting, right? Like, cause that's just so like overseas outsourced, you know, low quality. So yeah. Yeah. But there's something there. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. The last thing I have, uh, let's see. So I will say I have a handful of folks who I basically tweeted out something to the effect of that service overview. So I said, hey, agency owners, here's your personal branding playbook. Do a, a weekly interview that's 30 minutes long with somebody in your, on your team. Take the video, put it on YouTube and convert it into shorts, reels, and TikTok. Take the audio, make it a podcast episode, make a transcript, and then convert that into blog posts, newsletter, and social posts. You get 20 to 30 marketing assets from one conversation. For me, that got 60 likes and a few retweets. Like, that's pretty good for me. I've had a handful of folks reach out to me and say, hey, saw your tweet about this. Um, I'd like to talk details. So, you know, I'm hopeful that I can kind of pre-sell anywhere from three to five of these folks and just get them in on the loose subscription or three-month commitment or something like that and then beta test the heck out of the service and and get the the core offering dialed in and then, you know, have that be a service page on the site at some point. Got it. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. That's it seems like good pre-validation. Build a quick thing and see who bites, you know? Build the build the engine while you're flying or something like that. I don't know how that metaphor goes. Something yeah. like that. You jump off the cliff and build some wings on the way down or something like learn to fly on the That's way right. down. Find a parachute. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save yourself. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. The last thing I have is just kind of a I usually include some kind of a challenge here where it's like and I described it as the plumbing, right? So like as I get all these moving parts going, especially if we add this new service, like I'm getting by with Google Sheets and a basic Trello board and things like that, uh, which was fine when it was like just James doing delivery and sales and then maybe help from a couple of contractors. But as the video editor comes on board, as this um, writer comes into a fully white label, like tracking all these disparate um, client accounts and projects and individual episodes and what stage they're at. I just think I need to figure out um, the proper technical plumbing that makes all that water flow in the proper direction so we don't lose track of anything. I think I just need to just professionalize that a little bit. And so that's kind of the challenge I'm thinking about right now as we start to grow behind or in the back of the house, I guess, and then 
you know, with a focus of eventually like giving more energy to marketing to fill the funnel. So that's why I was particularly interested in Bento because part of that is like marketing automation and just kind of that post-purchase experience, like customer onboarding. What can I do with a tool like Bento to welcome those folks automatically so I don't have to remember to reach out and be personable and stuff like that? Sure. Yeah, totally. No, it could could work for you if you have enough volume for sure. Cool, man. Well, I think that's the the last thing I had. Did you did anything come to mind that you want to share that we didn't touch on earlier? Otherwise, we can bring this thing in for a landing. No, I mean, it, it seems like we're both kind of in an exciting time of hiring people, kind of building out the services. Like, it's interesting to me to observe how we're both like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm pushing on sales and then like, oh crap, I need, to, I need to like back off sales to like have the capacity to be able to do it. And now I need to build the systems and then, okay, now I'm pushing on sales again. And it's just, that's just, that's just how these services go. I mean, that's how early stage goes, honestly, you know, and eventually you hit it and it works. And then like all those things are in place. You've got the ops, you've got the team, you've got the recruiting pipeline, you've got the delivery, you've got the communication, you've got the tech. And then that's where stuff like really takes off. But it's uh, it's cool to hear that you're like, you're making great progress on finding these people, trying new services, which makes sense with your existing services. It's not like full on. Now we're just doing personal branding for entrepreneurs. It's like, no, we're, we're repurposing content, but we're taking that same repurposing of content for podcasts. And now we can do it for YouTube videos, for, you know, for entrepreneur social media stuff, like whatever. So it's cool to kind of see you building out that like product ladder as well, that offer ladder, I guess. So that's exciting, man. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, well, we'll bring it in for a landing then. Uh, all the notes and references and everything can be found at workingsessions.fm. Shout out to Bento for powering the back end of Editor Ninja. Uh, I know you gave me the shout out last last episode, so this one is brought to you by Editor Ninja. Check them out at editorninja.com if you need some done-for-you content and copy editing services on a monthly basis or just as a Word bundle now. Now available. Check it out. Now available. Yeah, John, thanks as always for your time, man. I, I always look forward to talking to you. Same, James. Good to see you, man. Talk to you next time. 